Actually, I should probably back up a second uh, uh, and introduce myself. Uh, my name is Dan Shields, uh, and I'm one of the pastors you know, here on staff, especially for those of you who may be newer to our church. Uh, I, I, each year, I get a chance to take what's called a study leave or a study break, and I just want to take a second to thank uh, you for your grace and, and giving me this uh, much-needed time off. I got a chance to spend a retreat with our elders, a retreat with our executive team, time with the Lord, uh, my family, and preparation for what God is also going to do uh, in and through this place in this coming year as it pertains to weekend services and some of the other visions that we're very, very excited about. I also want to say thanks to the staff and so many of you volunteers who make such a difference in what God is doing here. Uh, specifically, I am so grateful. Let me see if I can name them all. Tyler, Trevor, Steve, Adam, Jay, Kenny, Zach, and Jason who spoke sometime over the last six weeks. Can we just give it up for these guys? Awesome. Awesome messages. They just did a great one. It's like, man, that was so good. And then the next one, you're like, ooh, that one's even better. And the next one, ooh, that one's even better. And that's when Steve Allen told me, he goes, well, that's why I went last, you know, because uh, he wanted to be the best. Uh, so it's interesting when you, when you actually come back in. I felt like I was coming back in uh, on a treadmill that had already been moving for a while. And if you've ever tried to do that, it's not pleasant uh, to try to jump on one that's moving. And, and I walked right back into a firestorm, uh, one that's called uh, the COVID vaccine. And so I'm like, yay, I'm back, and uh, we're reaching a fever pitch. Now, how many of you, uh, by a show of hands, if you're watching online, put it in the chat, how many of you have personally struggled or know someone who is struggling about whether or not to get the COVID vaccine? Raise your hand. Okay, so we either ourselves or someone that we know. Now, I am fully aware that uh, even uh, this past week and, and uh, even the week before, that some mandates, you know, have come to the state of Washington, you know, in uh, the medical, you know, industry, schools, and other places that are requiring the vaccine by a certain date, or there is the threat or the fulfillment of the potential of you losing your job. So the intensity of this conversation that was already emotional to begin with has now ratcheted up to another point. Welcome back, Dan. You get to try to help our people to navigate through this. Now, we are Valley Real Life, and it's important to address and help guide, especially those of you who are followers of Jesus. So here's what I wanna do. I just wanna take a few minutes out of our sermon time to talk through this and then by early this, this coming week, I'm gonna provide a much longer, more in-depth video that will be available on our website. So basically, I'm gonna give you kind of some of the high points, specifically one point. Now, this is actually a way more simple discussion uh, because it's so crystal clear in the Bible and what the Bible has to say. So go ahead and open your Bibles uh, to First Opinions, chapter one, uh, verse six where you will clearly see what it says about taking or not taking the vaccine. Now, obviously, I am joking. See, to get or not get the vaccine, if you're a follower of Christ, is actually what we call a gray area in the Bible. And for those of us who are right and wrong and absolutes, this drives us crazy. Now, you might think that it is absolutely super clear according to your understanding of God and his word on what you're supposed to do, but I can promise you it is not as clear and as simple as you make it out to be. 
But hear me on, if nothing else, I please hear me on this more than anything else. The process to make a decision is as important, if not more important, than the actual decision. Okay, as a follower of Christ, when it comes to gray areas and not something that is so clear in terms of what the Bible says, the process to make that decision is as important, if not more important, than the actual decision that is made. In other words, what was the process or what is the process that you are wrestling with as you are making or helping to counsel others in making this decision? Let me give you a couple examples. If your process in making this decision was based on social media, a news story, or a friend of a friend who knows what's really going on, that's not the right process as a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, I cannot tell you how many fun forwards I got about many different things related to this specific vaccine or not to get the vaccine. In fact, if your process is simply, well, I'm an American and I don't believe this is right to get vaccinated or not to get vaccinated, what does that even mean, right? That's not the process that God wants us to use. Although I've actually tried to use that one time. I got pulled over by a police officer and I told him I'm an American and I can choose to do what I want to do when I want to do it. You can't tell me what to do. And he still gave me a ticket anyway. The judge upheld it. Now, I'm just playing with, with some of you guys now. Look, I heard, I've heard all of the arguments, you know, for and against, which I'll address again more in the video this week. Like, we don't know the long-term effects of the vaccine, and we don't. And this is way out of line for government overreach as it pertains to my job, which is true in many cases. The vaccine, on the other side, is the only reason more people are not in the hospital or dying is, is because they don't have the vaccine or... or uh, uh, if you would just serve with me as I work with patients in urgent care, you might think differently. And the list on both sides goes on and on and on. Both or all answers may be right, but the question is not how did you arrive at the decision, is once again, what was the process you used if you're a follower of Jesus Christ to make this decision? See, our process as followers of Jesus is first and foremost that we have agreed willingly to submit our lives to Jesus, right? To submit my preferences, to submit my life to his will and his leadership and his lordship in my life. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's what we've signed up for. As a follower of Jesus, he has called us to lean upon him in prayer. So the next step in the process is to say, God, I'm coming to you, being led by your spirit to lead me in this decision, not my will, but yours be done. The next thing is that we are called to truly seek what the Bible has to say about this, directly or in this case, more indirectly, and are we willing to wrestle with that authority in our lives even if the conclusion is different than what I want it to be. That's the real hard part in understanding what it means to follow Jesus. Now, in preparation for the video that's gonna be coming out, I'm gonna encourage you all to read Romans chapter 14. It'll be one of many examples that we're gonna walk through, but Romans 14 can really help understand where we're going with this. See, their next step after seeking God's word is to talk to wise spiritual leaders. 
mentors and influencers that you have in your life. To say, look, they have no vested interest. They're not trying to sway. They're just trying to make sure God's will is done in your life. And so you seek their will for you. Then, then God gave you a brain. And so do research, you know, begin to study, begin to look up, begin to give the information as be given, and then make a decision. But finally, to love and respect those who have gone through the same journey, but decided to make a different decision so that we can fulfill what God wants for our lives. Romans 14, 19 says this, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up as he just went through an entire chapter of talking about two people on totally opposite ideas and ideals as it pertains to this. So allow me to be clear as a church. As a church, in conversations with our elders, our leadership, and in much prayer and searching of God's word, we will support your decision to be vaccinated. And we will support those of you who decide not to get vaccinated and do what we can to help you in that effort. That's where we land as a church, according to God's word. And as we deal with these real things in real life, our focus should be on unity, on purpose, and to make sure as a church, no matter what the decision, we stay on mission. See, the church's goal is to focus on unity, because that's Jesus's goal, and our mission is to reach the world for Jesus, one person at a time, and to be and make disciples for him. That's why we're here. In fact, it reminds me, you know, in the summer, as we get into the message now, in the summer of 1987, uh, I'm dating myself. I was in middle school. And uh, by the way, the 80s, coolest time to be raised. I'm just sorry. It was, there's no better decade, you know, early 90s, late 80s, just saying. So, uh, uh, you know, growing up, you know, as a child of the 80s and high school in the early 90s, uh, I, I was uh, at, a, at a decision point, a precipice in my life. And, and here was the decision. The decision was what direction was I going to go in? Uh, I was starting to make bad decisions when it came to friendships, when it came to, you know, some of my language and some of the things that I was beginning to experiment with at that time. And I'll never forget, my youth pastor, Mike Gunderson, took me out to lunch. And you always say yes to lunch. And as he took me out to lunch, he sat me down, and we began to talk about the things that I was wrestling with and going through. And he said these words that I'll never forget. Say, Dan, God has given you a gift. And the gift is leadership. The question is, how are you going to use that leadership? Are you going to use it for good? or are you gonna use it for evil? You don't have any middle ground. And even as a middle school student, still trying to figure out what my identity is and who I am, who I'm supposed to be, those words impacted my life and headed me in a trajectory that I look back on to say that was a pivotal point. You see, we all have been impacted by others, haven't we? All of us have. I'm sure most of you can think of someone who has impacted your life, someone who has helped you in a profound and significant way. In fact, let's get you talking a little bit. Turn to the person next to you and just mention very briefly, when I ask you, who's the person who's impacted your life, name the person that immediately comes to mind and maybe a brief sentence on what they did. Now, if you're watching at home, talk about it with people who are there or put it in the chat. So go ahead and do that right now for the next 30 seconds. Let's talk in church a little bit.
love it. I love seeing, you know, just as you're kind of smiling and you're talking, you're engaging. I know you're putting some stuff, you know, in the chat, you know, as well. Every month at our all staff meeting, uh, we take time to celebrate uh, anniversaries for how long people have been on staff. Well, this past week, uh, we celebrated a man who has been on our staff as a pastor for 15 years here at Valley Real Life. Real Life. That man is Brad Pesnell. For those of you who don't know Brad, he's currently one of our life group and he's our men's pastor here, but he served in a variety of different roles. But here's what you know if you've ever been around Brad. Everybody I know who's encountered Brad has what I call a Brad story. And it goes something like this. When I was in need, Brad. When I needed somebody to talk to, Brad. When we were going through a situation, Brad. When we just needed some encouragement, Brad. When somebody prayed for me, Brad. And we see the impact that is felt, that's just been expressed by you who are here, who is being expressed right now online and through the rest of the coming weekend, because one person can make that kind of impact and ripple effect when the focus is not on himself, but it's on Christ and on other people. See, it's amazing the power of impact that we can have on one another for good or for evil. So so let's just focus on the good. In fact, there's a powerful story that we find in the life of Jesus in the book of Luke. You see, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's about ready to enter into what's called Holy Week. He walks into Jerusalem. They shout Hosanna. They rip down palm branches. Hosanna means save us. And they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then a few days later, he's going to die on the cross. And then he's going to raise from the dead. But before he goes there... He heads to a place called Jericho. And on his way to Jerusalem, in Luke chapter 19, we read this impactful story. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Now, what you need to understand in Jesus' day is that there were, as the Bible reports, sinners. Now, a sinner is you and me. It's anyone far from God. We're all sinners, the Bible talks about. But what's fascinating is in our biblical records, they have sinners as a general category, and then to elevate it up to a whole other level, they give two other categories, prostitutes and tax collectors. Now, we're not just talking about the IRS here, folks. What we're saying is the Roman and their occupancy actually recruited Jewish people to get the taxes that were required for them to go to Rome. But just as an extra incentive, they would actually tell them, if you want to charge some more and tuck it in your own pockets, you're more than welcome to. Most tax collectors took the Romans to their value and their word, and they did this, which is why Luke takes a special moment to say not only was he a tax collector, ooh, a dirty sinner, but he was the chief tax collector, which it can't get any worse in this town. Notorious, B-I-G, no, notorious, notorious Zacchaeus. That's who he was against his own people. Imagine that. And so he tried to get a look at Jesus 
Because he's coming to town, there's fanfare, but he couldn't see over the crowd because it was too short. Now I'm betting the crowd didn't have much sympathy on him. It wasn't like creating ways. Hey, let the little people up first. No, that wasn't the case here. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road. If you're ever in Sunday school, I could sing a song right now, but I will save it later. For Jesus was going to pass that way. Again, Jesus at the height of his earthly ministry and popularity, people had heard of the miracles. They had heard of the incredible teachings. They wanted to see who this person was. So what an opportunity. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus! Oh, there's an exclamation point. He just yelled at him. Quick! Come down, I must be a guest at your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. I don't want you to miss this. How we see people determines our love and availability to impact them. How we see people. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. And he calls him by name, and he enters his home. See, I want you to know whether you're watching online or you're here today, Jesus sees you. Jesus knows everything that you've done. He knows everything that you've been through. He knows all the ups and downs of your life, and he knows your name, and he still loves you. Jesus sees you. In fact, later in a different passage in Revelation, it says, He's knocking, even now. He's knocking at the door of your heart. If you've never accepted Jesus, he sees you. If you reject Jesus, he still sees you. And he's going to knock and knock and knock. And he's going to give you the opportunity to decide when the time is right to let him in. But I give you one warning. When Jesus comes in, he's not just a guest. He takes over. As you allow him into the room and as you allow him into other spaces in your life, he takes over and it's always for the good. Some of us think, I can't do that because I have to get things straight first. You ever had company come over? Right? Like you hear that somebody's coming over, hey, hey, don't surprise me, I gotta get everything straightened out. Zacchaeus had no warning. Sometimes we think, I've got to get everything straight in my life before I invite Jesus in my life. And Jesus is saying, no, I want to come in dirty, messy, all the dishes that are not done. I want to come into your life right now. That's an amazing God that we serve. I don't know how many times in your life you've ever been in a place of isolation, of loneliness. Have you ever been in a crowded room and not seen? See, not to Jesus. He sees you. And my hope and desire is as a church that whether you're watching online or you're here, that you would always feel and know that you are seen and that you are loved. That's my desire. But I wonder, let's turn it on us for just a second. Jesus sees Zacchaeus and we're about to read the impact that he made. Who do you see? Maybe the better question is, who don't you see? Do you see that coworker, that barista, that waiter, that politician? Do you see them? Do you know their name? Do you love them? Uh, what about the people that bother you and me? You know, the ones that irritate us, flat out make your blood boil just because of how they live or how they live to treat other people. Well, those people, Dan, are not named Zacchaeus, they're named Karen. No, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> They're all named Zacchaeus. Jesus saw him, someone who needed an eternal relationship with God. Man, that must have ticked off a lot of people. Oh, wait, it did. The Bible tells us, verse 7, but the people were displeased. Not just the religious leaders, all the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, a notorious sinner. Zacchaeus was a political economical, social, and relational enemy of his people. All the people saw was a man who ticked them off, who deserved punishment, who deserved to be ostracized for he was in cahoots with the wrong political party and he was causing pain and suffering to his own people. So who are the Zacchaeuses in our lives? What about those who choose to or not to get the vaccine? Oh, no, it's not those, Dan. That's an easy one. It's those dirty Democrats. Oh, those self-righteous Republicans. No, no maybe it's, it's those who are pro-abortion. Or maybe it's those who are LGBTQ+. Plus, or No, 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 Dan, it's the school board. It's my boss. It's my parents. It's actually my child. Now, side note, should we stand up for what's right and true? Absolutely, for sure. But hear me clearly. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the greatest thing we need to fight for is not to be right, especially on matters of preference. It's that Jesus would be Savior and Lord of those people's lives. That's how we need to see people. But we have a hard time seeing through the differences and the disgust that you feel in your heart and mind towards someone or some groups of someone. And those, that's exactly what the people saw in Zacchaeus. And Jesus sees Zacchaeus as somebody else. And they were shocked. In fact, disappointed in Jesus' response to this notorious sinner. Of all people to go to his house... Really, Jesus, do you not know who you're talking to? How we see people will determine the level of impact that you and I can have in someone's life. And notice the impact that Jesus had in Zacchaeus' life. In verse eight, it says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, if I have cheated people on their taxes, and everybody knows like, well, you did, I will give them back four times as much. You see, how we see and experience the impact that God has made in our lives compels us to impact others. It's a response. He knew he was bad and Jesus loved him anyway and reached out. And as a response to that, a response of building that bridge, as a response to caring and seeing Zacchaeus in the crowd, his life would be impacted forever. And we would all know about it. I mean, think about the impact. Seriously, the life-changing impact that God has made in your life. How often on a daily basis do you stop and reflect, I was blind and I can see. I was dead and now I'm alive again. Jesus, you give me life and purpose in this life and the life to come. I am nothing without you. This is amazing. And you give me significance and purpose and a legacy that will have a ripple effect in this life and the life to come. That's amazing because God sees you. And out of that impact, we have an opportunity to see others. 
See, if I live for me, I won't have much impact. If I live for others, I will find myself never measuring up and eventually burning out. But if I live for God because of the impact that he's made for me and I lean upon his strength, it goes forever. See, Jesus responded to the people and to Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus' purpose was to seek and to save those who are lost. That was his purpose in coming. Can you imagine for for a second the frustration of the people? Oh, we're going to get to a height of it when when they go to Jerusalem and they burn and take down these palm branches. Wait, wait, wait. Jesus, I thought you were supposed to set us free from the Roman overreach and tyranny in our lives. I thought that was your purpose. Jesus, I thought you'd be the political leader that we were looking for to actually reestablish this country and make us the greatest on earth. No, Jesus' purpose was coming to seek and to save those who are lost. That was his purpose. And shouldn't that be ours? He gives us that opportunity to be used by him to impact people's lives for eternity. Are you kidding me? What a privilege. So in the short time I have left, if you're ready to begin to see people anew, we have been in this season as an American culture where we are being fed more and more and more opportunities to create division with with the people, opportunities to dislike or hate people even more. And Jesus says, no, see people the way I see them. If you're ready to begin to see people anew and to walk out of here and to walk out of your house, wherever you might be online and see people differently, I've got a couple little ways in which God has called us to do that. The first we've already talked about, see people as God sees people. Say, God, help me to see them as you see them. Help me. Secondly, live a life that shines for Jesus in word and deed. Let a light shine. Matthew chapter five, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. That's who you are, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on the stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all the seas so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Shine light. I'm not talking about one of those mega lights in the darkness that blinds people where they hate you because of your light. I'm talking about when you go into somebody's life, you shine just a little bit of light. And you allow them to see who Jesus is. The Bible talks about later in John 17, to be in the world, but not of the world. He's not called Christians to isolate themselves. He's called us to be in, but to recognize this world is not our home. So to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. Here's 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 the defining question. Do people know that you're a follower of Christ if you didn't tell them you are and you didn't tell them what church you went to? Would they know that you're a follower of Christ just based on your life and your words? Here's another way. Find ways to build bridges and connect with others. Find ways to build bridges. See, 1 Corinthians, Paul takes this, the writer of Corinthians takes this whole time and says, I'm gonna do whatever I can to reach people for Jesus. You know, I'm gonna cross whatever bridge I need to do. If it becomes like a Jew, I'll become like a Jew. Because like a Gentile, become like a Gentile. I will do whatever I can to reach people for Jesus. In fact, he says this specific phrase, which I love, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. 
What a way to live. Do you have relationships with people far from God? Social media doesn't count. Talking about relationships with people far from God. See, always be prepared for the hope that you have. Because I've got a lot of time to see on different people's social media accounts. We're spouting out a lot of truth. You know, that's out there. But you know how the Bible tells us to spout out this truth? First Peter chapter three. Worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But don't miss this part. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. That's us submitting to God's will. Then lastly, pray regularly for this person to know who Jesus is. Pray regularly for God to do what only he can do. You can't bring someone to faith. You can only show them who he is. You can show them the door and they have to walk through it. In fact, one of the things that we do here at Valley Real Life that you are probably aware of is, you know, we have our baptistry. And at our baptistry, uh, you can see that around the baptistry are all these names that are written. And the ones that are circled are those who have accepted Christ sometime within the last year. And every time someone gets baptized, there's a reminder to keep praying for the person's name that you wrote down. And it's a weekly reminder to see whose names have been there. And then you can see by the cross, we had over 175 people who have accepted Christ just this last year alone. It's amazing to see the power of prayer and the light when we focus on the things that matter the most. So as we close, who do you commit to seeing differently this week? Who do you commit? I know who God's bringing to your mind. I know that there's someone that he's bringing to your mind. Someone may irritate you just a little bit, but they don't know Jesus. Maybe that person is you. I also want to give you a practical step. Can, can you reach out and invite them to attend this next all church series called Relationships? It's called Relationship Series. We're going to take six weeks starting September 12th because I think it's one of the biggest issues in our culture is people don't know how to have healthy, genuine relationships. What does that look like? What does God say when it comes to whether you're single or you're widowed or you're married, you have kids, grandkids? We're going to go through all of it in the entire church from our children's ministry all the way through and all of our life groups is going to go through this together as we examine what God has to say about this. So again, let's be people who focus in on the things that Jesus focused in on. Let's be people who say, we're going to see people, Jesus, the way you see them. And we're gonna do whatever it takes so that they might know you as Lord and Savior. You wanna make an impact? That's step one. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you lead, that you guide, and you direct. I pray, Father, that right now that you would bring to our heart and mind someone, someone by name. God, who is that person that you want us to see differently? Father, it could be a coworker, a friend, a family member, a neighbor, someone we've just struggled with, especially in the last year and a half with their thoughts and views on fill in the blank. Father, help us not be like the crowd who are in disgust when you want to reach out. Help us to be like your son who sees people the way you see them and who is worth dying for. God, we thank you so much for the opportunities that you're going to give us and the growth that it's going to take in us to make this be real and true in our lives. It's 
in Jesus' name we pray, amen.